Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. My name is Tom Rich Jr., and as always, I'm joined by Mike Murphy. Mike, how's it going today? Hey, Tom. Uh, first time, long time, um, doing this show through the telephone today because uh, the Internet is garbage for me. I also think I called you Time instead of Tom there. Um, so this show is already off to a great start. If there's audio quality issues, it's... Uh, my fault, which is to say my internet provider's fault. And they're all a monopoly that none of us can escape. So really it's it's everyone's fault. Um we have a lot to talk about, Tom. We do more so than when we try to uh do this show earlier, which works out for us. Yeah, there's a whole I only just saw uh what uh Uncle Bob is tweeting about. It must have dropped his margarita uh, for that one. Jesus Christ, what the hell's going on? Yeah, so it was kind of interesting. So he has this tweet thread, Bob McKenzie, who, um, you know, he's supposed to be, like, taking a, a step back and really only focusing on, like, draft stuff, but... He sends out this tweet thread, um, imagine my surprise when I started making calls today and heard Jack Eichel trade rumors, including unverified chatter. He may have at some point recently requested a trade out of Buffalo and that NYR were amongst interested teams. This, of course, required further investigation. None of those talks with other clubs resulted in Eichel trade traction, but it's also believed that there's been dialogue between Eichel and Buff to ensure that they both want the same thing to get better, obviously, and share the same type of timetable sooner rather than later. So the face value review appears as follows. Eichel doesn't want out of Buff. Buff doesn't want to trade Eichel. Move along. Nothing to see here. Fair enough. But some rumors are worth checking out mentioning, which I've now done. Now back to draft prep. So this obviously throws the whole timeline into a tizzy um, for n- numerous reasons. Like the Rangers obviously need help long-term uh, in their center depth. Um, they have a lot of money coming off the books uh, next year. Uh, Mika Zibanejad is a free agent in two years. So, you know, Jack Eccles Young, David Quinn coached him. So it's obviously a really easy connection to make for the Rangers and Sabres, but like, you know, people have tweeted about, and I'm sure you'll agree, uh, Buffalo probably would want a whole lot, you know, probably starting with the number one pick in this draft, um, you know, Capo Caco, um, among other things. So I think it's fun to like play, you know, EA Sports general manager, ooh, Jack Eichel to the Rangers. But for now, it's like, okay. This is a cool thing to talk about, and that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, it is fun and cool to talk about, um, especially because Jack Eichel, um, in my opinion, you know, if I was building a team from scratch, uh, you would be on the very short list of, like, the top ten guys I would want to do it around. He's that good. He's been really, really good um, with not a lot around him. Uh, in Buffalo, although they paid Jeff Skinner so much money <laughs> um, to play with him. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Of course, Buffalo also just got former New York Rangers legend, Tom, Eric Stahl, uh, in a trade <laughs> uh, with Minnesota for Marcus Johansson, where 
It's just I don't know what Minnesota was thinking. I mean, they're probably like, everyone is making fun of us because we're old. Let's trade one of the old guys to get a slightly less old guy. And good grief. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting to say at least, especially because the other major news uh, that happened since the last time we recorded, we had a couple of failed launches with the show today because of uh, my Internet issues. But you and I, we thought we were going to be talking about Henrik Lundqvist now for this week's show. And instead, we we're talking about Mark Stahl being traded. Mark Stahl's tenure in New York is over. Um, you and I, I'm not going to pretend we didn't have this conversation where we have to walk through and pretend like, remember when I said, did you expect this, Tom? And you said you were surprised. Like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we were both surprised by the trade, um, as I think everyone was, because there wasn't a lot of smoke here. It just happened, right? There's a report, and then it became uh, confirmed and official. Rangers gave up Mark Stahl, uh, addition by subtraction. They don't have to buy him out this way. It's a cap on trade. They give up a second round pick in 2021. Um, and Detroit under Steve Eiserman now has, I think, three second rounders in this year's draft and three second rounders in 2021. So he's loading up. Yeah, loading up. Um, picks and prospects, and that's the right thing to do. Remember, this was where the Rangers were not, you know, like pretty much yesterday. So um, it's very interesting to think of this world of a post-Mark Stahl New York Rangers for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, we're all bracing ourselves for post-Henrik Lundqvist New York Rangers, which, frankly, probably still going to happen, right, Tom? Yeah. We don't like to talk about it, but it's... uh, that's just happening. So get your boxes of, of tissues ready and, you know, eat an entire bowl of popcorn. Uh, and But, uh, you know, the long story short is $5.7 million in caps goes away. Um, and the Rangers have an open spot on the left side of the blue line, which, you know, is not bad news, um, especially because, you know, Keandre Miller, question mark? Although I think it's more likely he gets seasoning in Hartford, but who the hell knows? We don't even know when the season starts, right? So um, there's so much that to digest your time, but you and I had a couple of talks about Mark's danger, and, like, you asked me to do this for one of the shows that didn't record, so I'm going to turn the tables on you and be clever. <laughs> for those who maybe are younger fans, what was Mark Stahl in his prime like? Mark Stahl in his prime was very interesting. Um, the one thing that I'll remember the most is tremendous skater in, in the sense of there were like, – like when we think of Mark Stahl – tenure at the end he obviously had the reputation of being a staunch um shutdown defender and people will cite um when the team was in its heyday him and Girardi against Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby or you take your pick but Saul wasn't always that he was a defender who 
he had more. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, a number of interesting end-to-end rushes of him scoring a goal and his ability to just take the puck from his own end, take it all the way up the ice and score. Um, one against the Florida Panthers sticks out. Um, I'll remember his game-winning goal against Washington. Um, you know, the the most famous um, or one of the most famous sequences with um, Rangers Trail, Washington. Uh, Joel Ward takes double minor with seven seconds left uh, in uh, regulation on the power play. Brad Richards scores to, to tie the game. Game goes to overtime. And then on uh, one of the ensuing face-offs, they, they may note that um, Mark Stahl, and I forget who else was on the opposite point, basically they, they switch sides to set up the ability for uh, them to be on, on the on one-timer situations. Um, and the face-off is one back, and, and Stahl just steps into it, and he scores. Um, there were a lot of great moments with Mark Stahl, and it's a shame. And um, Larry Brooks wrote about it today, and part of part of the article I'll get into after this. But he's concussed um, on a hit by his brother Eric. It was, you know, just a weird situation that obviously, you know, his brother is not going to you know try to concuss his, his brother. Um, and then obviously later on he takes. Um, you know, the, the shot to the eye, and he—it's—it was just a um, calamity of events that really diminished um, Stahl's tenure at the end. But there were really a lot of good moments, and for those who um, you know subscribe, whether it's to Evolving Hockey um, or you know Hockey Viz or any of the events that sites. Um, you know, I would take a look at some of the earlier times of Mark Stahl versus the last few years because you'll really say to yourself, wow, this guy was once, you know, really good and, and capable of this level of play. It's obviously a shame how, how things ended, but um, definitely, you know, look at some of the earlier, you know, Mark Stahl highlights because uh, for a long time he was a really good player. And I know we all, like, you know, joked about or, you know, criticized, you know, his play at the end. Um, but this was the most tenured, uh, you know, leader in terms of wearing a letter. Um, been on the team very long time, drafted in 05. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it certainly uh, the end of uh, an era. And he finishes with 999 career games both uh, playoffs and regular season combined. So one short of a thousand, which is certainly um, an achievement for uh, Mark Stahl. Yeah. It's great. I think just in terms of regular season, he has 892. So 892 games. He was the longest tenured ranger. Um, you know, obviously Lundquist uh, would be before him. I'm about to say next, but now the longest tenured ranger is Chris Kreider at 523 games. There's a lot of hundreds between those two numbers, Tom. There's <laughs> 300 games between those two numbers. Um, and like you said, Mark Saul was, you know, obviously a big defender. You know, like you said, he had this powerful stride. He was never a points guy. He only had two seasons where he cracked 25 points. But that wasn't really his game. Like the Rangers knew what they were getting with him. This guy who had a great, you know, had a lot of in 
a big area of influence on the ice because of his reach and the way he took the body and like the Rangers having Stahl and Girardi at like I will never for as long as I live forget watching Stahl and Girardi uh try to slow down Ovechkin and you know the Capitals and Sid and the Penguins as those teams and those guys were emerging to be the generational superstars they have become and you know the first ballot Hall of Famers they've become and the Rangers for a very long time you know before you know the hockey gods dealt a very cruel hand to Mark Stahl uh, had a guy who was you know really really good like you can even look at Stahl's contract you know and you know 5.7 million is what comes off the cap um, but like even thinking about when he signed that deal, you could have made a case for him deserving more, really, um, because of how good he was um, when he was in his prime and the sort of player he was. But now we have, like, you know, there's there's a void, um, and there's going to be an even bigger void uh, when the the hammer falls on Lundqvist and and the the aftermath of that. And now we have a situation where the Rangers have much more cap space, potentially a ton more cap space than we were expecting. And the Rangers are going to create cap space, Tom, and there are a lot of teams who are not going to be thrilled with the idea of spending up to the cap because of the financial implications of COVID. And the Rangers, and like the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Rangers are a team that isn't afraid to throw money around, as evidenced by the crazy signing bonus laden contract they were able to give Artemi Panarin, right? Like this is something the Rangers could do is find answers outside of the organization as well as, you know, in, investigate maybe with a little more gumption, a little more earnest in their efforts to really look at extending Tony D'Angelo or, or, you know, keeping a guy like Jesper Faust around. I think now I would really be shocked if that doesn't happen just because of the question of, you know, a leadership presence, a guy who's had, you know, the letter on his sweater for a long time. Um, Castal has been a leader in this locker room for a very long time. So it would be crazy. You know, how crazy would it be for this team to lose Jesper Faust, Mark Stahl, and Henrik Lundqvist? Like, in terms of the leadership group. That would yeah. be, especially, like, even what you said, like, you think of, like, Mika Zibanejad emerging, but he's only under contract for two more years is a potential huge shift here in terms of not just the history of the Rangers, but the culture of the team, right? Yeah, it certainly makes it interesting um, what direction they'll ultimately decide to go in for if they're going to name a captain for next season, but they're definitely going to have to – they're going to be redistributing your letters for sure based on who we expect to leave right now. It's, it's only stall or, or rather stall is now gone. Uh, we, if Foss goes, uh, that would leave, um, Savannah Jad with an A and Kreider with an A, um, as you know, permanent parts of the leadership group. Um, I think it, it's interesting. The, the move happens now because you would think that, okay, they're, What's the timing of the move um, for for stall? Would it suggest that a deal is imminent? You know, or is it something like you know they're going to be signing Tony D'Angelo to a bridge? 
Um, I don't know. It, it's something that could possibly happen between now um, and, and the start of the draft uh, in a week. But if I were the Rangers, um, given the nature of the flat cap, I wouldn't sign anyone right now. I would, you know, do my due diligence and obviously, you know, tendering, um, you know, contracts to the, for, for qualifying purposes, um, to the RFAs that you want to keep. But I really think that there's going to be a lot of players who are sort of in that middle ground where they have a high qualifying offer, but they've not quite lived up to the expectation uh, that the teams has for them. So because of the, the flat cap, you'll have these RFAs who are unqualified and then they will become, you know, unrestricted free agents. Um, I certainly think the Rangers are a team that could be active during the draft for teams that are looking to shed salary, or even if the Rangers want to use some of that space um, and and help facilitate deals. I had tweeted about this um, for the purposes of of avoiding a Lundqvist buyout. I would try and give him the opportunity to say, hey, Hank, where is a spot that you would want to end up? And then you have a team like the Ottawa Senators, who has all of this cap space, and even more so um, now after um, buying up Bobby Ryan, um, where you can literally trade Hank at full price or at 50% to a team. Then that team can then flip him to a third team uh, with salary retention. So for the one year, you have have a team getting Hank at you know 25% of of his uh, cost. And then it helps a team like Ottawa, who they're looking to get to the cap floor, but they don't want to pay a lot in salary. But um, according to um, Brooks's article, um, you know, he fully expects the team to still buy out Lundqvist to give the team and Hank, uh, you know, resolution to start everything with a clean slate. And that would give them about 23 million uh, in cap space. Um, so, it's certainly an interesting time and, you know, tonight's uh, game six of the Stanley Cup final and Tampa Bay is looking to, you know, put a, the Dallas Stars away. But I assume that once the final is, is wrapped up, you're going to start having more of these, uh, you know, hypotheticals and conversations with teams. Um, but it's certainly an interesting time uh, in, uh, in the NHL and in Rangers land. Yeah, it's, it's also worth mentioning Hank's total salary for the last season of his contract. The season coming up is there's a one million signing bonus um, and a total salary of five point five million. So for teams that you know might balk at his cap hit, his actual salary is three million dollars less than his AAV. And it's interesting, like a team like Ottawa. We just heard, you know, they're not going to bring back Craig Anderson. So, you know, if there's, but I, I don't think they would just want to kick one old guy out the door to bring in another old guy. But they also probably would be like, we'd be able to sell tickets for Lundqvist. I don't know. There is, there's a lot to look into, but it's, it's an interesting time. But the, the point you raise about if you can't afford a buyout for Lundqvist, you have to do it, right? Like. Even though buying him out in makes it cool as it can be, this is not the end of the world. Uh, you know, I mean, like you should look into it if, if you can move him. But if there's no 
if there's no way to do it in terms of finding a team that can take him on, because it's tough. Um, but the good news is there's a lot of teams now who, even if they have a goalie, they might want a 1A, 1B situation. And Henrik Lundqvist, you know, if you are getting him in like 50% retained and he's your 1B in case you're a little unsure about a goal you have, it's, if there's a team that has the cap space, it's very fun and very interesting, right? But like you said, the hypotheticals are going to begin in earnest after uh, we get our resolution on the cup, whether it's Tampa tonight or whether it's, you know, this goes to game seven and then, you know, Dallas or Tampa from there. But, um, it's a crazy time because, you know, we've been all waiting, obviously, with the first overall pick in the draft and, you know, the questions are we just having free agency and Henrik's pending buyout. There's all these balls up in the air for the Rangers. And now we all are like, all right, well, we have an idea of what the juggling routine is going to look like with these balls. And then all of a sudden, you know, things get that much more interesting. It's like someone's juggling routine with and then we traded Mark Stahl. And now it's like, all right, well, we're going to throw a toaster oven. You have to juggle that as well because it just opens a whole new, a whole new dynamic of what you can do with this cap space. Like, you know, the thing I keep wondering about is do the Rangers find a second line center or, you know, even a first line center if they can with caps they create and a little hesitant to sign a guy long term if contract negotiations get rocky the Rangers can be like hey let's look into this you know there's also the question of you know do the Rangers want to look at the future of Jacob Truba here and I am inclined to believe they won't do that I think the organization likes him a lot but you know I really didn't expect things to deteriorate the way they did with Kevin Shattenkirk, who, of course, um, you know, is a win away from winning a Stanley Cup with former Rangers captain Ryan McDonough as his defensive partner, which is the irony there, Tom, never ceases to be delicious because that was the defensive pair we all thought we would see. And now we get to see it in Tampa. But... um it's a really, like you said, it's a really interesting time. Um, the, what I, before we get any, any further down that road, did, were you good with the price of just giving up a second round pick for Stahl? Because, you know, we've seen other trades for salary dumping, like the one I think that will come to most people's mind is Marlowe and, you know, got like, but a lot of like, do the salary dump to a team that's willing to buy him out, like, you know, like a Brooks War pick situation, things like that. But, was the second round pick a, a price you can live with to create this cap space, or do you really want to see what they do with it first? I think that a second rounder next year isn't a terribly steep price to pay, especially if the goal is for the team to to get better. So you're looking at something that's hopefully towards the end of the second round. Um, the only only problem it presents is if the Rangers wanted to use offer sheets, which I guess they don't plan on using offer sheets because you would need um, a second round pick for compensation. Um, I know yeah. that there's a, there's a couple of tiers that they could um, still, you know, do offers, but 
you're looking yeah, at but the, anything that requires a second round pick there should have a luck now yeah exactly um but you know to get you know 5.7 million in, in cap space um which um you know it's it's much needed whether it's just to resign the R or or to be flexible with other teams um i mean i'm i'm okay with it like i i forget who tweeted it but there's basically draft picks sort of have a um like a monetary value you know in terms of cap space and and, and in this case like the rangers came out ahead um you know what you would generally pick is like i think for the um what was it when the sharks traded marlo i want to say what he was like 6.5 million or 6 million against the cap yeah something yeah something in that neighborhood yeah. and they gave up a first so um for for pretty much as big a contract um for a second rounder yeah i'm fine with it yeah i am too like in the context of everything, like the Rangers, like you and I, especially, I think you and I were probably two of the last in the, in the Rangers world about how, you know, we were, I was trying everything to talk the Rangers off the cliff of the Kevin Shattenkirk buyout, especially because, Jesus Christ, the cap, the dead cap space penalty for next season is, you know, 6.1 million in dead cap, which means all told, from Spooner and Girardi, the Rangers have 7.5 in dead cap next season. And that's that plus the cap not going up makes a deal like this look really nice. Like, I would like, I would feel a lot more confident knowing what they end up doing with that cap space. Like, I hope it doesn't turn into a four-year deal for, for Ryan Schroen, Tom, but uh, I still am... I feel like it was it was a reasonable price to pay. It's also worth mentioning, of course, in 2021, the Rangers have two thirds. Their other third is Buffalo from the Jimmy V trade. Tom. Oh yeah, um, that's right. I remember Jimmy V. Who, for those who didn't keep track, he just had a uh, a god awful year in Buffalo, which uh, is just kind of par for the course when you when you go to Buffalo. But um, it's it's a very interesting dynamic that this creates, uh, and it was a reasonable, you know, price to pay. Um, you know, I, I think with something like this, so long as it isn't a first, it does for the Rangers, considering how tight they are against the Cats, they only have to give up a second is a pretty damn good deal. Um, and, you know, it's, it'll be weird. Um, and we, we get the sense that Detroit is going to play Mark Stahl, uh, which is something, but, um, cause I know they're not bringing back a bunch of their D. I think they're not bringing back Daly. And of course, um, you know, they traded Mike Green, but, uh, to Edmonton, but he retired. So that de- defense is a lot of old guys, but, um, it's, this opens a lot of opportunities for the Rangers to really make a move that greatly enforces the team. Uh, and, you know, kind of galvanizes the roster as it stands now and addresses areas of need. It also creates that, that vacuum, right, on the left side of the defense. And really the thing that stands out to me the most is even, even last year and the year before when, you know, last year we finally saw Stahl kind of get, you know, in his first year with, with Coach Quinn, Stahl just 
didn't end up in the doghouse, whereas Shattenkirk did. And it was very much like, why are these things different, right? One of these things is not like the other. This is not a level field of assessment and and, uh, and evaluation of how these players are playing. But even this past season, Stahl was out there all the time on the PK. So I'm very curious about what happens with, you know, the Rangers penalty killing moving forward. I would imagine we're going to see a whole shitload of Ryan Lindgren on the left side of that penalty kill. Um, and, you know, the other thing here, Tom, is are Brendan Smith's days of being a fourth line right winger finally over? <laughs> is, I got to imagine. Yeah, because, you know, after the shade trade, he was on, you know, quote unquote, the first pair with Truba, right? And then, you know, we have Brendan, like, there's a void on the left side. The Rangers only have so many D. And Andre Miller, you know, might not be ready, but even if he is, we still only have so many D here. So is Brendan Smith a defenseman again? If I'm the Rangers, my goal, if they are keeping uh, Smith, the goal with him is how can we rebuild his value? How can we use him in a way that um, helps him, helps the team? Because he has that, like, reputation in um, – you know, is, is someone, cause I, I think back to when the Rangers acquired him in the first place and, you know, his, his play in the playoffs against Montreal with, with Brady Shea. Um, I'm just looking at the playoffs this year and the amount of teams who have had injuries to their defense and, and are resorting to, you know, rookies or, you know, players with not a lot of experience. And with him in the last year of his deal, like he's the perfect, fringe defender to acquire at, at 50%. Um, so, like, if you're you're the Rangers, you rebuild his value in the next trade downline. It's like, all right, yeah. who needs a, a Brendan Smith who can, you know, be your uh, sixth or seventh defenseman? And, you know, in a pinch, he can uh, slot in on the fourth line. Yeah, what the hell? There's not a lot of those, not a lot of those guys left anymore. I don't know if you folks know that. I'm reading... Uh... The down goes brown history of the NHL, and I was cracking up in the very early days of the NHL. There's a position called the Rover, which is, you know, you just played, you just went wherever the hell you wanted. And I was like, oh, sounds like a spiritual successor to, to what Brendan Smith went through. But I wrote his report card for Banter, and I remembered he was a healthy scratch for three consecutive games. And then we traded Brady Shea. And then Smith came back in the lineup and immediately played like 18 minutes and 44 seconds on the top pair with Jacob Truba. Like, you just can't make it up. Yeah, you're not good enough to be on the defense, uh, Brendan. I'm sorry. Brendan, here's the thing. Because he wasn't good enough. And now uh, we're in a real pickle. But it's really interesting to me how this plays out now because there's another big piece out of the way for you know, for Keandre Miller's future, but also Libor Hayek, I would imagine, is going to get another look. And I think, you know, as things progress here, you know, it's still too early to all this, like, oh, boy, what's Libor Hayek ever going to be? But he has a huge opportunity or potentially will have a huge opportunity here, Tom. Um, and that's also worth talking about because this the future of this defense is different. Not only do we have... Mark Stahl gone, but of course, Lindy Ruff's gone. So, 
And that's why all this is really interesting to me beyond even just the cap space and what that means. Like the Rangers make a big run at adding a huge piece and, you know, do they, they say, you know what, we like Tony D'Angelo headaches and all, even though, you know, we have down the right side, we're good for forever. And we have Mills Lundquist who, you know, one year from now, I'm sure we will be talking about him being ready to be in the NHL just because he's doing another year of seasoning in the Swedish Elite League. So Mills Lundqvist is probably ready for the NHL right now, um, you know, but in a year's time, I would imagine he's ready to really be in the NHL. So it's it's interesting how all these pieces are moving now. It makes it so while we're all buzzing about, like, holy shit, Alexi Lafreniere is going to happen. There's also all this, well, the Hank bio is going to happen. And it's like a, a bunch of dominoes we're watching slowly teeter and potter, getting ready to fall. And we're all getting ready to dissect what all this means and what happens. But it's a, it's a fascinating time to watch this team because, good God, like this team could be so different just on paper from what they were last year. Um, where they kind of succeeded despite themselves and their weaknesses. And, you know, not only can you make a very strong case that, you know, the stall move is addition by subtraction in terms of what you're doing with that cap space, but also, frankly, the quality of the defense. Um, you know, it's no secret what Mark Stahl's underlying numbers were. You know, and of course, the Rangers still have plenty of scapegoats in terms of guys who really have really tough underlying numbers. You know, Capo Caco, of course, had a historically rough season measuring analytically for a rookie, and then you have Brett Houghton. So it's uh, it's crazy to think about what happens next. What do you want them to do, Tom, with that money? So before we get to um, what I would like them to do with the money, okay. um, I think I think now is now is a good spot for uh, an ad break because after that um, I have my thoughts and then I I want your opinion on on something that that Larry wrote today so uh, we will be right back. Thanks, everyone. You're listening to Bannering. The Blue Shirts, we are back from the ad break. Um, beforehand, Mike was asking me, you know, what would I like the Rangers to do with the cap space? Um, my thoughts on this, it's I, I want them to, for now, conserve that cap space until some of the landscape is a little more known with other restricted free agents and other teams that are looking to um, – get some some money out of the uh their internal budget um but if they certainly will have a lot of options if 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 everything you know well let me better put it this way even if all the other major teams find a way to deal with their situations like looking at Tampa for one 
um, you know, with all the players that they have who, you know, I, depending on whether or not they win the Stanley Cup could certainly impact the direction they will go in. Um, you know, if those Eichel rumors that, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, are to believe, it would, it would suggest to me that the Rangers are thinking long-term at center, which means that they're not going to go very long with Ryan Strom. So if they do sort of the Kevin Hayes thing where it's one-year deal that takes you to um, unrestricted for agency, I'd be fine with that. Um, D'Angelo, I think bridge deal because, A, it doesn't tie you down. Um, you know, it gives you options if you you want to bring Nils over because the, the, the wild card in all of this is we don't know when the next season is going to start if it starts in January, if it starts in February, who's to say that at that point they don't bring him over to North America. He's in Hartford for a little bit. And then he, he's just so good that you want to promote him. Um, but I, if I were taking this cap space, um, I would say we're going to set side of it um, for a true number one left-hand defenseman who solidifies that and it takes pressure off someone like Keandre takes someone pressure off of you know Hmm. players who are a little bit away like a Zach Jones or a Matthew Robertson but you have this potential there but you don't want it to be a thing of you know these have to be the saviors that they can just make the team at their leisure so maybe not Alex uh, who's Likely going to hit the open market from what it looks like. Although, you know, he's a bona fide. Oh no, he's a right side. Never mind, I'm an idiot. Um, it'll still be fun though. Why not one more right side of D? But yeah. Uh, but you, that is your opinion is they should. That's what you want them to do with the money is one, be careful, right? Mm-hmm. And then two, is address the left side with some more stability. Yeah, because like if I were to wait, um, like I, I still think the Barkov situation in Florida is a fascinating situation to watch. Him two years away from, um, UFA status, he's only making 5.9 million now. Um, I would imagine that based on Florida having an internal budget, um, they're losing some more, more than likely to lose, you know, Hoffman and Dadanov. It's going to be hard for them to build a team that um, will make him want to stay. So if he's someone, for t- twice that, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but if if the, you're the Rangers and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, then that opportunity is available, and then you're not able to uh, to act on it. Yeah, my who it's really interesting because for me this comes in like how. How confident am I in Ryan Lindgren? Um, yes. And I, you know what? I'm pretty confident, but I also am much more confident in how strong the right side is that mm-hmm. I, I, I won't sweat it so much if there's, you know, we have Ryan Lindgren and then a bunch of kids trying to prove themselves because, you know, Smith's only here for one more year and then that's over and done with. So, that is, you know, that that's another spot on the left side that's going to open up, and then you have like who's there that's proven in the NHL? It's right, it's Ryan Lindgren. That's that's 
That's who we have on the left side now, Tom, because Brady Shea is gone, and Mark Stahl is gone, and you know, a couple of years ago, Ryan McDonough is gone, and uh, it's crazy. All these pieces have fallen, right? But I lean more towards just oh my, I just want I love Filipino, um, but I want the security of a, another center and. Like, I don't think it would be a crime to have Heedle move to wing or, you know, or have Heedle just be a really, really awesome third-line center because, frankly, teams that have really awesome third-line centers tend to win a lot of hockey games. So I'd like for the Rangers to go from the team that had, you know, one center who can play a 200-foot game and and play and produce in the top six level. In other words, Mika's advantage yet, uh, to have that situation improved. But, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's so much to think about here. Um, uh, it, it doesn't, you know, because it does feel like there's just so many pieces moving in that blue line. It wouldn't surprise me if they look into to adding something on that left side, especially, I would, you know, you know what, Tom? There's all these questions I would love to have answers to. I would love to know what the organization thinks of Libor Hayek right now. Like, yeah, that is a huge question to answer because if they're still high on him, then they might be telling themselves, like, let's just go ahead and pencil Libor Hayek in for next season, and we have Keandre and Hartford and yada, 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 right? But goddamn, like, if Libor Hayek doesn't pan out, all of a sudden, at the end of next season, you have, you know, who you have. You have Ryan Lindgren, and if Lee Hayek's not in the NHL, and then you have our AHL, you have a real need for some stability on that left side. Even if the right side is as strong as it is, and, you know, it's really strong, especially if the Rangers re-sign um, D'Angelo, but even if they don't sign D'Angelo, they have Mills Lundqvist coming up. So, like, there's plenty of reasons to be confident about the right side of the blue line. The left side of the blue line is just it's a goddamn mystery now. Um, and, you know, it was to some extent it was going to be a mystery regardless because of, you know, Mark Stahl was also coming off the books after next season. But, like, this just kind of accelerates that a little bit, you know what I mean, in terms of finding out what we have with a guy like Lieber really testing Ryan Lindgren even more. And that's why I'm so fascinated about where the organization stands on Libor Hayek as a prospect, as a player who's capable of playing, you know, is he ready to be a second pair defenseman in the NHL? Yeah. No. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead with a no here. Um, and, you know, just the other day I was I cracked up in, in the banter slack and I was looking at, like, you know, the the blue line you could make from defensemen who are very recently Rangers, right? Like, you have Ryan Graves. You have, mm-hmm. uh, you have Ryan McDonough. You have Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, you have Keith Yandel. You have Neil Pionk. And, you know, like, Billy Keane. Anton Strawman. Anton Strawman. Like, all those guys that, and moved on and either reestablished or reestablished itself elsewhere. And wouldn't it be nice, Tom, to have Orion Graves right now? 
Josh yeah, would that, be nice. That would be really helpful. It would be helpful it would to have. Be, it would be so nice to have a Ryan Graves right now, and really no one really talks about it, which is hysterical, because the Rangers gave him up for nothing. Uh, they just – he was the captain of the Wolfpack at the time, and they just said, you know what, let's trade you for Chris Begris, and then let's not even give Chris Begris a qualifying offer and let him become a UFA, and he was with uh, the Adirondack, Adirondack Phantoms, you know, the Flyers, AHL affiliate, and um, I don't even know what happened with him this year, but just – it's crazy to think of what they let slip, slip through their fingers there. And, you know, Neil Pionk on just a terrible, god-awful Winnipeg Jets blue line looked a lot better than he did with the Rangers. And that had a lot of us kind of second-guessing what some of the underlying numbers told us, but it also had a lot of us looking at Lindy Ruff and being like, Jesus Christ, what is this guy potentially doing to the development of these young defensemen? And that's another reason why all this is that much more spicy and interesting is what we have in place with what's going to happen with the development of these young guys. Like, is this how much of the development of Libra Hayek has already been kind of derailed or spoiled to some extent? Um, not only by, you know, the situations he's been in, but also injury, remember, with them. So, and then of course you have Igor Rikov, who is back in Russia. Um, and I don't like in terms is going to be. I don't think any of us really expect him to land in the NHL anytime soon now. So it's a crazy time to look at that blue line, and now to have Bob McKenzie throw out just like, oh, by the way, the Rangers were talking about Jack Eichel, and yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and then you have uh, Larry Brooks talking about, you know, maybe the Rangers re-sign D'Angelo and play him on the left with Fox, pair Lion Lindgren with Jacob Truba, and if they're looking for a veteran to play either side on a one-year depth deal, um, maybe they should talk to 39-year-old uh, Ron Hainsey. Yeah, that'll that'll that's going to work. Remember when we, we traded for uh, Adam McQuaid? I remember that. We're way back when um, we got Roman Hammerlick. Oh my God, Hammer skates Hammerlick. Um, yeah, it's looking at how you know. For those who don't know, you know, handedness you can play on your off wing as a forward, um, but there's a lot of debate over. You know, coaching staffs just don't like to do. You know, putting a guy on his, you know a right-handed defender playing on the left side, which is what Larry Brooks is saying the Rangers could try to do with the intro. I am of the opinion that they should try it, and frankly, they should have tried it during the season, um, you know, this past season, because really there was no reason not to do it, um, uh, in my opinion, because you wanted to have an idea of what, if this is something D'Angelo is capable of. But when you're, you're like, you have the issue potentially of, like, I think it was Mimico Hero at Hockey Grass who, who dug into this. Um, and I think it was 2016. So, you know, still a relatively recent study on, you know, playing on your offhand, uh, as a defender. And it's a trend that's gone way, way down over the years. Like it just happens less and less often. So, but I also in my head, I'm like, you know what? If David Quinn is willing to have Brandon Smith as a right winger, 
shouldn't he be open to this idea, Tom? <laughs> uh, at least on paper, but when you're talking about the transition game and getting out of your own zone, it's very nice to have guys with different handedness, right? It just creates better opportunities to break out of your own zone without forcing guys to make difficult passes. Um, and that's something that needs consideration. But the other thing that needs consideration is, you know, the Rangers have this position of strength and they can, you know, it's not like Tony D'Angelo is going to forget how to play the right side if you ask him to play the left side. So I wish they had looked into that already. It was something I was, you and I, I remember talking about during the season, actually, right? Um, I don't know why we haven't seen it, but it is something to think about um, because there's there's something to be said there. But I remember I, I, I want to dig into the numbers more about what it actually means for this transition game. But that is another option, and you know, that Brooksy wrote about. So, good God. It's a goddamn jigsaw puzzle you're trying to put together and every five minutes a toddler comes by and knocks it off the table. Yeah, seriously. Like my whole thing with the Rangers was they've um been bad for the most part the last few years and they've had times in the schedule where it's clear that they weren't going anywhere. Um I just wanted them to experiment. Like, let's try this unconventional thing. Let's see if it works. And if it works, let's try it again. And again, and again, and then maybe we learn something. Um, but no, we um, we just follow all convention. We give veterans tons of ice time. We, you know, rookies just don't play, and you know, or if they do, they're on the third line. Um, because if you have, if you're able to answer some of these questions, and you come to the off season and go, yeah, we really need to get rid of player X, or man, player Y can uh, play the left side for us next year. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's annoying because you see other teams in the league do it and then they're able to find out, oh, wow, here's a center that they're a lot better at wing. So this solves this problem for us. Now we can do this thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's in immaterial in, in, in the context of right now, because they do have a lot of, um, at least at forward, a lot of those plots mapped out um but the defense i think it's going to be a combination of we're going to see what they can do again i love ryan lindgren but i want to see him do it again and you know preferably if he can do it without adam fox um and then obviously yeah because the underlying numbers on fox is he was the best defenseman on the team and lindgren of course played a lot with him so how much of lindgren Looking really solid was buoyed by Fox. Is right. a tough question. Yeah, no disrespect to Lindgren, but if you if if they start next season and it's Lindgren and Truba and it looks good, then like okay, then we're learning something yeah. here. And Ryan Lindgren is a top four, more comfortably obviously a second pair guy, uh, just because he has no offensive game to speak of for the most part. But um, it is. Like you said, I just wish, you know, it's not a bad time to throw shit against the wall, especially like, I don't know, what do we got? Sylvie Giuseppe coming to, you know, Crater's hurt, Svenagent's hurt. Like, fucking experiment. Try some things out. Um, and it would be nice to have a little more knowledge and data to look at it to be like, all right, well, you know, 
we tried this or, you know, we might have something with Tony D'Angelo being able to play the left side or, or what have you. Because it makes sense to ask Tony D'Angelo as opposed to the rookie Adam Fox or the Jacob Truba who you just signed to, you know, $8 million for seven years or whatever the hell it was. So, like, it would have been nice if they experimented with that a little bit more. Um, just so we don't forget to cover this, Tom, uh, also in the world of interesting, but in this case, very good news is Vitaly Kravtsov is having a very good start to his year in Russia. Yeah, six goals in ten games. Um, he has one assist, but if you're following, um, you know, AJ Ranger on Twitter, um, Alex, you'll, you'll see that there's a number of um, situations where he's made some really good passes and his teammates have been un- unable to finish them. So it's it's not a, a situation of where he's just being, you know, super selfish, although he is taking a lot of shots, which is good, but he's had some really good passes that, for whatever reason, his teammates are unable to finish. So, um Really good to see him comfortable. Really good to see him playing. Um, really good to I, see that five of those six goals are even strength, too. And um, the other thing is, you know, one would say, well, what's his shooting percentage? It's 15%, so it's, it's you know, it's a really high pace, but it's not crazy. He's not shooting 20. Um, you, know, you know, two years ago when he was a kid, he shot like, Seven percent, and last year I think it was like uh, ten or eleven percent in the brief amount of time he was in uh, tractor or with tractor in the KHL. So, you know, the this is something to just talk about maybe offline, Tom. But it's it's a pain in the ass to try and watch KHL games uh, in the states. It's uh, trying to find a way to do it without resorting to shall we say nefarious means, but. I cannot find a legitimate way to, to do it. I don't know if any of our listeners can give me any tips, but goddamn, I found ways to do it with uh, uh, nefarious ways, let's say. But um, let's just say the back alley shenanigans. But um, like I was able to watch him uh, play in his most recent game, and he was the best part of the line he was on with uh, Lucas Sedlak and former another former NHLer in Pontus Auberg. So. He is the guy getting all the points with who he's playing with, and he's leading tractor in points. So all of that is just awesome news for a guy who, frankly, I was, like, shitting myself. Like, this kid's confidence is, has to be fucked, right? Like, with how he was yo-yoed around and scratched in Hartford and everything that happened with him. And, like, goddamn, I was really worried that, you know, and it still could prove to be the case, but like just a year of his development was just burned and, and wasted. And as fun as the Rangers, you know, like future offense looks like, especially at the wing, you want as many top six potential players as you can get. And you, you definitely want a guy like Kravstov to pan out just because God, it would be fun. Um, so, yeah, it's awesome to see him have a strong start. Leah Sanderson's having a pretty strong start on a very bad HC-71 team, although I think they've only just played the two games. Um, he had a really good preseason. Again, really good news, but who the hell knows what's going to happen with Leah Sanderson. Yeah, certainly it's something that, um, like we said earlier, all these hypothetical trades, it wouldn't surprise me if 
he's someone who's like a throw in or a, a piece that you add on as a, an interesting thing to, um, a reclamation yeah. kind of, you know, here's a lottery ticket or magic beans. This kid could be, you know, a really, really good third line center in the NHL, but he's going to need the right situation. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's very easy for an opposing GM. If you're talking to him on the phone to be like, look, things didn't work out here. And that's, a lot of that was on us and this kid needs, you know, an opportunity and, you know, might be getting a special player here as a guy who, like you said, might be a throw in or something to maybe like sweeten the pot on a, on a bigger deal. Cause it's still very hard to uh, visualize a path forward for him within the Rangers organization that ends up in him. I still hope, I still hope it'll happen. I just don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I hope so too. Um, we only have one um, bannering point question this week. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before I, I read it to you? No. Hit me with a question. Yeah. So um, this comes from World by Mike. Um, it should now be finally clear to the naysayers that Truba is absolutely capable of being traded. With that said, do you think the front office is too stubborn, lost in sunk cost, or is Truba just going to be the new stall with his awful Albatros contract? Um, well, it's the, I think the, if any of those scenarios is true, it's probably the, the second one is that, you know, with the loss, you know, the sunk cost here, because the other problem is who's going to take him. It's a problem the Rangers have put themselves in by not really giving Jacob Truba a, you know, not giving him an environment in which he could really succeed. But even he, you know, it's, again, you know, we have to say small sample size. We needed like a, a fucking soundboard thing for that time, by the way. Just a blah, blah, blah. Um, but he was really good in the playoffs in three games. But, uh, he said, you know, heading into the bubble that he knows he had a really rough season and he knows he can be a lot better. And all those are things you want to hear, but it still doesn't take away the fact that the first year of that contract was just, oh, God, what did we get ourselves into here? Um, the real problem now is who who would take him? Like, I, I think any team could take would be willing to take him because anyone could be traded. And, and you know, that's what our listener is asking. And I think he's absolutely right. Like any deal can be moved and the Rangers, but like, I don't think the Rangers want to retain salary for fucking six years. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this is I mean, a, it's a very hard contract to move. Yeah. I mean, my whole thing is I understand Truba is a little overpaid. I understand he had a disappointing um, first regular season. We've seen times where people are able to turn around, and I understand that the underlying numbers um, show that he was on a bit of a dip in Winnipeg, and obviously that continues into year one with the Rangers. Um, I still think that there's a lot of teams out there that they do things based off of name recognition and pedigree and overall body of work. And like when you think of like prototypical defensemen in the NHL, 
like Jacob Truba, you know, checks off a lot of the boxes. Um, you know, he has some size. Um, he's played, um, you know, internationally. Um, has a big shot, which you know, he's right-handed. A lot of you know these old-timey hockey, you know, men, you know, would fawn over someone like Truba. Um, he can play on the power play, even though he had a couple of younger guys kick him off the porch. Yeah. But I, I think that the Rangers, they really like him. You know, he's someone that um, this was his first year in a, a situation that um, where his future was set. We obviously know everything that went on with Winnipeg towards the end and obviously the, the situation, um, you know, with, with his fiance and everything she's doing with, with medical school and just sort of settling that and, be, having a place to live and having that security. So um, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, obviously, I understand people are frustrated, but I do think at some point, if it's a contract that um, is onerous for the Rangers, that when you see people like Mike Matheson was traded from, from Florida to Pittsburgh, and he has, obviously, it's a lower cap hit, but it's, you know, it's still, I think it's six more years. Um, yeah, a very goofy contract uh, in terms of what that player turned out to be and just a long-term deal. And for a guy who, you know, we're, we're guy. Very interesting, though, Tom. Let me ask you this, Tom. You ready? Yeah. What more likely? The Jacob Truba is traded, or that he works a letter next year, because to kind of tie it back to what we were talking about with the leadership group, I see Jacob Truba as the guy the organization wants to have a letter on. Yeah, I definitely think that he's going to have a letter next season. Yeah, I'm going to see if you would take a bet with me. I'm not even a gambling man, but I would bet twenty dollars without sweating that he would have a letter on his jersey is more likely than him being dealt. Um, oh, yeah. But I, I agree 100%. with Like, I agree. Anyone could be traded, especially right now when teams are moving money. The problem is Truba. Like, I, I don't have cat friendly in front of me, but I would imagine every year he has a signing bonus. So it's not like the Rangers are, you know, you know, in terms of the timing of trading him or anything. It's the window oh. closes. And the issue here is, like I said, you don't want to be locked into six years of retained salary because, like, you know, you take retained salary on the short term when you can, unless, you know, you're Toronto with Phil Kessel. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, you do what you, you got to do. Um, but I don't think a team would be like, yeah, let's sign a guy, you know, eight years or you know, seven years, and then after the first year, let's trade him and have him half you know, whatever percentage of his cap on our books for the next half dozen years, and especially in the context of a fixed cap for the next few years. It, I think the odds are really standing at it. Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. If the Rangers can wave a wand and undo the Jacob Truva contract, sign me up. Um, also sign me up for not buying out Kevin Shattenkirk and not getting into the Jacob Truva situation in the first place, but here we are. So I have his 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 deal up. So this year, um, he had an eight million dollar signing bonus. Um, it's a lot of money. Mil- 
Yep, two million dollar base salary. Next year, he has a six million dollar signing bonus, two million dollar base salary, and then uh, six million, eight million, six million, six million. And the last two years of his deal um, are a modified no trade. Uh, it's a fifteen trade a no trade list, and then it's a twelve team no trade list. Um, so really, after the twenty one twenty two season. All his signing bonus money has been paid, and then it's a two million dollar salary. Okay. A $6 million. So, like the way it's structured, um, with uh, retention, um, it, it's it's reasonable that if it got to that point, it's a movable contract. Yeah, it's true. If it, but if it gets to that point, so yeah, that, that is good to know. Um, but you know, again, we've seen. Guys that have no move clauses in the last two years of Trubin's deal, uh, he has, you know, a modified no trade. But like, we've seen this happen before where trades happen that we don't think will happen. Um, like I know Eric Stahl certainly didn't think he would land in fucking, in, <laughs> in Buffalo, but he's probably looking around like, well, shit, here I am. Uh, that's kind of what happens, right? It's, uh, professional sports. You gotta, that's why everyone in their their uncle wants, you know, full no move, ironclad. They have full control over wherever the hell they end up, and yeah, it's it's a lot. Anyway, was there anything else we wanted to tackle, Tom? Um, no, I think that's about it. Um, as always, um, you want to thank you know everyone for listening. Um, thank everyone who uh, supports the Patreon. Um, we can't you know put on this show without you. Um, a six foot gap. Adam Naholik, Aiden Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Jazen, David L. Singer, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Manino, George Lippman, Igor Zavlowski, Jamie Bussold, Jason Silverin, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matt Pumple, Matthias Olsen, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Matt Michael Pumple. Silvers. Wow. Yeah, that that uh patron had been uh you know, Nick Antropov had been, you know, uh a lot of different other ones. Um, Matt they, Pumple they, is a name I haven't thought of in fucking twelve years or whatever the hell it's been. Matt Pumple. Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Patrick Landolt, Perennial Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel-Seinberg, Sean, Steve Bielbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Earl Carlson, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you very much for all of your support. Um, thank you, as always, everyone. Like Tom said, we can't do the show without you. We know these are tough times for a lot of people, uh, including hockey writers, in terms of, uh, you know, making ends meet and... You know, you only have so much money to put into things that are, you know, seen as luxuries and things that are hobbies and recreations, things you're passionate about. So it means the world to us that, you know, you square away a couple of bucks every month for us. It, you know, we say it all the time. Uh, we can never say it enough. It really does mean the world to us. So thank you all for your support, your continued support. I hope you guys got a kick out of, uh, out of Joe the last time we recorded. I know. Yeah, whether or not we ever see him again, who knows? But I to crap, and uh, I love Tom to death. And you guys are all pretty good.
especially in that pumple. <laughs> yeah, as always, um, thank you again. Uh, we're, you know, have some thoughts on how we we're going to proceed. Obviously, the season will be wrapping up shortly. We're going to have the draft. We're going to have free agency. Um, and then we're going to go into sure. sort of, yeah, holding pattern where we don't know, you know, when the next season is going to start. But, um, you know, me and Mike have, have you know, talked a little bit. We're going to talk some more to, you know, try and uh, keep things fresh for everyone. So we appreciate uh, your listenership and we, we appreciate your patience. And uh, thank you, Mike, uh, as always, for joining me. Appreciate it. And uh, hope you have a good rest of the day. Me too, Tom in Bahama. Goodbye, folks. Bye, everyone. Hey. Me too, Tom in Bahama. Goodbye, folks. Bye, everyone. Hey. Me too, Tom in Bahama. Goodbye, folks. Bye, everyone. Hey. Me too, Tom in Bahama. Goodbye, folks. Bye, everyone.